Welcome to the show. Great to be with you today, Paul George. Deacon Bear Conk in studio. Great to be with you today. Adam, how's it going? It's going great. How are you? You survived your daughter's wedding, and I would say more than survived, you seem to thrive. You think so? Mm-hmm. You had a you had a front row seat to the whole thing. Yeah, that was a uh, that was a blessing to be able to serve the wedding. Yeah. yeah. So thanks everyone for listening in on the radio or on the podcast wherever you are, uh, being a part of the show. Um, I am in uh, basking in the wedding hangover, mm-hmm. uh, meaning. Not an actual hangover. No, I didn't have a hangover at all. We celebrate moderation here. Actually, I didn't even have a drink. Right. Uh, I just had fun. But there was so many activities and events, not only leading up to the wedding, the wedding reception, after family, that I haven't, I just, I'm I'm like toast. (laughs) I've been in a coma for a week. (laughs) You know? Yeah. So, but it was great. You know, my biggest prayer going into the wedding. Okay, so I'm going to peel back a little bit of uh, vulnerability here. Oh, boy. Just to start the show. My biggest prayer is that I would be present to everything. That included not only physically present, but emotionally present. Mm -hmm. And that's a dangerous prayer to pray. Because with that, you don't know what's going to happen. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, you can't predict emotion or feelings or what's going to happen in the moment and you know, my tendency is just, you know, I don't know if it's per, part personality, part family of origin, part, you know, I'm a guy, all those things probably all together is, you know, let me just be steady, you know, think about the next moment, plan out the next moment, not be fully present so I don't have to feel the moment. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. But I, I went against that and I, I dug deeper and it's been a nice healing process for me and it was an emotional roller coaster. In a good way. It's awesome. Well, and the, what a great couple. The wedding wedding usually uh, matches the personality of the couple, not only from because they're the one who planned it, but also just, I think, supernaturally even. like there's so, A, a wedding is kind of like a baptism in that there's only so much you can know about this couple at this point, right. like the baby. Like yeah. There's only so much we can know about the baby, but we're going to baptize this baby for a whole Christian life. And when a couple gets married, it's like we know who they've been a part but you're seeing this whole new thing start, this new family that you don't know where it's going, you don't know where it's going to be, and um, but God does. And I think, you know, that the wedding is a is a time of grace where God really uh, shows who this couple is for the first time. And it was a beautiful wedding, man. Prayerful people prayed, they worshipped the Lord, they um, participated in the sacrifice of the mass, and and I could see uh, your daughter and her husband Matt's face the whole time they were so into it you know yeah it was a, it was a really beautiful mass the music was unbelievable um you know the homily the the, the worship the, the incense like it was just it was beautiful but it was it was so prayerful and look this is everything to do with the couple you know we didn't plan the mass right like mm-hmm. like this is them like you said but um so much so that we had a, a distant family member who um, the next day uh, was talking to my wife and said that they they were just so moved by the Mass that they want to be Catholic. Wow. And it's rare that that happens in a sense that someone is so moved by the liturgy that there's like a conversion or that you hear about it. And that's the beauty of the Mass, that it could draw you in into something that is outside of the body it's heavenly right mm-hmm. 
that it, it can take you into this space where you can experience God if you enter into it, if it, if it just surrounds you. And that, it, that's, what, that's what the beauty of, of the Mass was on Saturday. It was just, it just drew you in, you know, it was really good. Yeah, and it was, it was like a Mass at the closing of some Catholic conference or something in that everyone present was all in. You know, maybe not every person to a T was... Yeah, you know, not everyone there was Catholic or maybe knew what was going on, but there were a lot. There and were so, a lot. And the church felt full and, and, and worship was full. Right. Okay, so what was your... You've been knowing me a long time, mm-hmm. right? So, like, you have a, you know, bird's-eye view of, like, me doing this for the first time, walking my daughter down the aisle. Mm-hmm. Like, well, and you could see it all because you're standing up on in the sanctuary as a deacon, you know... Just mm-hmm. your f- just deadpan face, just like you know. What were you thinking? What was I thinking? Yeah, about? what were you thinking about? Wow. Well, uh, I guess like you were saying earlier, I was just kind of present to each little moment. There's a thousand little moments in a wedding, mm-hmm. and so you gotta. It's something to contemplate and appreciate and think about. So I remember like seeing Gretchen walk down the aisle and like, wow, look at that mama bride kind of thing. Yeah. And then uh, the wedding party starts and. Um, Anyway, when the doors open and there you are with Marie, it was, yeah, it was something to behold. Um, was it kind of surreal? You're like, I can't believe he's actually doing this right now. Because I was kind of having an outer body experience, but you've been knowing me long enough to be like, wow. Okay. Well, you seemed comfortable. You seemed present. Like, you didn't seem nervous or like, you know, and, uh, it, you know, the moments like that that the Lord prepares us for more than we prepare for, mm-hmm. right? Like, we don't know how prepared we are. Yeah. Um, it was fun to see you talk to Matt uh, for a while. Yeah. And hand in, hand over what the, I was like, what is he saying? I mean, I know what it's like to be in front of people because, uh, you mm-hmm. know, the work that I, I do. But I told Marie right before we walked in, we've, we had some beautiful, you know, good emotional moments all leading up. But we're standing out and the doors of the church are closed. So it's just her and I outside the church for that moment. And, um, <clears throat> you know, the way they do it is they open the doors and, like, the bridal party, one walk through, and then they close it. And then, you know, so we're we're ne- last. And I just said, look, I, I've i never been this nervous. I've spoken in front of, <laughs> you know, so many people, I've been, and I've never been this nervous, you know. And you mm-hmm. just embrace it, embrace the moment. Yeah. So a lot of people wanted to know, like, what I was thinking in that moment. And they felt the emotion of the moment as we walked down the aisle because I love my daughters, you know, mm-hmm. as I should. But um, everyone wanted to know what I told Matt. It was a little conversation. When I, you know, handed off Marie to him. Because it, here's what I told him. is like before, I'm not going to tell you what I actually said. But mm-hmm. before the wedding, I talked to him and said, hey, look, I just want you to know that I'm not just going to walk up there and give you my daughter, like mm-hmm. her hand, and just be like, hey, good luck. You know, I'm going to talk to you and say something. I have no idea what I'm going to say, but I just want you to know, like, we're going to have a moment. So don't feel rushed to move on. Mm-hmm. Like, I just so, so I wanted to prepare, prepare him because I knew he was going to be nervous mm-hmm. and emotional at the same time, right? Yeah. Because he's seeing his bride walk down the aisle for the first time. He hadn't seen her yet. This is his right. first time. And so he knew, like, we were at least going to have a conversation. And, and a go. he didn't, you know, wasn't like, people were like, would you tell him, like, you were going to, like, <laughs> murder him if he didn't, like, you know, treat your daughter well? I was like, maybe. Use your imagination. <laughs> but I wanted him, I wanted to speak directly to him as, as a son, you know, mm-hmm. a son-in-law, you know, like, and, and, like, what I would want someone to tell me. 
Mm-hmm. What I would want someone to tell me in that moment is what I told him. So nice. And then, you know, and then I hugged Marie and then hand her off. Anyway, it was just kind of like you had to you know, be there, but it was sort of an out of body experience at the same time, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but you yeah. had a front row seat. There you were. Yeah, it was Deacon awesome. Bear with his big beard, just. <laughs> and I met your mom. You did. One of the our biggest fans of the show. Actually, I met a lot of folks who listened to the podcast and had never seen me. And uh, I told them all the same thing. I'm just so sorry to disappoint you <laughs> in person. <laughs> My mom really wanted to meet you, and she did. She's like, yeah. is this, she asked me, she said, is this Deacon Bear? I was like, in the flesh. And she went right up to you. That's awesome. Yeah. Sweet okay. lady. So anyway, I I'm too emotional to keep talking. I need a break from the wedding, yeah. you know. So do yeah, yeah. You, do you have a have you seen? What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real though. You know they say uh, say it's all about marketing. They say that. Do they say that? Yeah. And um, sometimes when you're desperate, mm-hmm. you just start getting creative with y- your. That's true. Marketing. Yeah. To try to sell what you got. Okay. You know what I mean. <laughs> so have you seen? Um, there's this uh, Undertaker. You probably haven't seen this, but this Undertaker in Edinburgh, which is uh, in Scotland, I believe. Okay. Um, who's selling coffins that are like uh, custom design, hilarious coffins. Okay. So one of them is like a Dyson box, like a vacuum box, but as a coffin. So like you're a vacuum cleaner in the coffin, I guess. I don't know. Um, so is this like this new creative, like, you know, like cakes that look like something? Right. These are coffins that like look like Look something. like other things. Okay. And they're pretty funny. So like another one is like a telephone booth. Okay. Um, another one is like a pack of cigarettes, like a huge one. <laughs> really? Yeah. They're just trying to make light of death in such a way that people aren't thinking like such a formal looking casket, but like, a, you know, mm. let's let's have fun. Now for the person who's dead... It doesn't really matter. Correct. Now, a friend's dad who passed away last year, and you know, it was sad. Her dad passed away. Uh, you know, whatever. And he he was older, but like it's 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 never funny, mm-hmm. right? It's always sad. Yeah. You know. Anyway, like he, you can. I didn't know this, but you can get a coffin designed in your favorite football team. Yeah. I didn't know that. So he had his favorite college football team logo on his coffin well i think uh he would like this company because they make all that kind of stuff there's one that's looks like a pint of beer there's one that there's star wars stuff game of thrones stuff and okay so probably of all the ones that you're scrolling through and see like if you had to pick one for yourself what would it be are the ones i've seen um probably a telephone booth i don't know it's just a less crazy one Maybe the pint of beer. I just don't want to be known for that. Honestly, though, I, since I've heard about Sister Wilhelmina, mm-hmm. uh, who is buried in a very simple wooden box, not embalmed, right. with a little fabric, apparently a lot of traditional burials are very simple. Like, they either just put you right into the ground, or you're in a literal wooden box, and that's it. It makes sense to me. That makes total you're sense gonna, to me. You're going to decompose anyway, unless you're a saint. Right. You're going to, well, like, so why be in, like, this nice thing that's going to, like, whatever? Like, yeah. you're going to decompose anyway. I mean, a lot of people, the biggest trend right now is cremation. Yeah. People are just, you know, and then you're in, a, like, this little box, right? Mm-hmm. 
So, I mean, and that's all a mystery. I don't know how we got on this, but. <laughs> well, I, I, I would prefer just a simple, even a cardboard box. Just put me like a Walmart box. I was reading recently that, that at a woman's wake, she knocked on the coffin. Yes. This was recent. Yeah. Yeah. It was in uh, Ecuador. Wow. Yeah. At their, at the wake, like at the funeral. And then she's banging on the coffin. I mean, like, how do you not know someone's dead? Like, I don't understand. Like, yeah, you would think. That is like after all these years, this yeah. would be the one thing that you would check. Some kind of instrument to make sure that the heart's not beating or something, you know? <laughs> a little stethoscope. <laughs> like, yep, she's dead. She's not breathing yeah. anymore. Like, if you can't breathe, you're dead. Like, right. you don't just, like, stop breathing for 30 minutes on your own and then just start breathing again. I don't know. That's true. Check so, the breath. Yeah. Well, if... Uh, I guess some people said you're dead to me, and so they buried her. She wasn't dead to everybody. Yeah, that's a theme on our show, <laughs> you know. Yeah, so I, you know, I don't know what to think about this trend here. Uh, whether it's good to promote like this lightheartedness with death, or like, uh, if this is just trying to make more money off of coffins, I don't know. But like, I do think it's important for people to not be afraid of death, and to think about their death. And to not place so much importance on things like what your casket looks like, for sure. Yeah. But I don't know. Well, every time I talk, try to talk to someone about death, they're just like, don't worry about it. it it's going to happen. So, like, you know, make, and they make light of it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Like, I mean, it's like, it's like, I guess you're trying to make light of something that's just like obvious. Yeah. To everything. Like, everyone's going to die. Like, there's no, like, you know. By the way, we just entered into, like, the most depressing show ever. <laughs> like, we took, like, the biggest turn of all, you know. Which is crazy, because, like, today is we celebrate the solemnity of the most sacred heart of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the, today's Have feast... you ever actually gone on a limb? Yeah. You really? Frightening. I'm I'm a little afraid of heights, so... Okay, so right now you're afraid. I'm a little afraid, going out on a limb. Okay. To say that the Sacred Heart of Jesus can connect what we're talking about, uh, your daughter's wedding. Okay. And this this coffin thing. Okay, so do it. Okay, so you were talking earlier about you were praying that you would want to be present to each moment Mm -hmm. and like feel each moment. Right. Um, And I think that is an important aspect of devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Like there's a lot of devotions to our Lord, um, and they they each highlight different aspects of him. So, for example, devotion to his five wounds, devotion to the child Jesus, devotion to, uh, you know, Christ crucified. But the devotion to his sacred heart specifically is a devotion to the humanity of Christ in its core uh, reality, like the deepest part of who he is, the most vulnerable part in a certain sense. And how the heart of Christ, when it's present to us, which it is, is all of him completely, mm-hmm. you know, and it beats. And so there's a vulnerability to it. There's also a presentness to it. And there's all of him. It's his emotions, his intellect, his will, uh, his passions, his hopes, his desires, like all of who Jesus is, is present in his heart. And it's a devotion to all of him like that. So is this what we commemorate, celebrate today on the Feast of the Sacred Heart is everything that was contained in the heart of Jesus. That's right. Also his pierced heart. Like what, what is it that we really kind of come around today? 
Yeah, that's great. So in in the scriptures, the heart is is the image of the core of a person or the core of life, really. So like in bodily life, uh, the heart is that organ that pumps nutrients and and life to the whole body, blood, which gives life to the whole body. Mm. And in our soul, the life of the soul, it has a heart too. And that heart is really the center of um, all of our uh, humanity, right? Like our, our... intellect, our will, our emotions, like all those things that make us human beyond our body, uh, our soul has a heart, it's a core, and uh, this deepest interior of who we are, we call our interior life, that's that's the most vulnerable part of us as a human, even more than our physical heart, right? Right. It's the, it's the heart that we, that is most human, most deep within us, mm. and uh, our spiritual life even has a heart, it has a because our spiritual life is that part of us that's open to God's grace, open to the divine, and that has a heart too. Um, and so the sacred heart of Jesus is all of that together. It's literally his, his biological heart, which is divine because it's his flesh, and that's we receive it in the Eucharist. It, it keeps his body alive and also keeps our body alive because mm-hmm. we receive his sacred blood in the Most Holy Eucharist to keep us alive forever. This is what he told us. You know, if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, which flows from my sacred heart, You'll live forever. Mm. Your body will. Mm. It's amazing. So we, we are devoted to that in the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Also, his, the heart of his interior life, the heart of his human uh, soul, that we are contained in his heart, you know? Like, we live there in his interior life. He thinks about us. He loves us. He feels for us. He desires us. And then his heart that is uh, united to his divinity, where the fullness of Godhead dwells in him bodily— like that which can't be contained in the whole universe is contained in the sacred heart of Jesus, the love of God for us. And it burns like a furnace, you know? So all of that is part of this devotion of the sacred heart of Jesus. Okay. We're going to take a quick break, come back when we talk more about that and some other things. (laughs) That's That's a great description. You like that? (laughs) It's a Paul George show. We'll be right back. Healthcare that works better and costs less. Seems like an oxymoron, right? Take a minute and check out our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare. Members say that faith-based health sharing is a much better fit than insurance, all while costing less. Prices start at $384 a month for families. Call now to see how much you can save. 844-387-8533. That's 844-387-8533. Hey, hey, welcome back to the show. Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk in studio. Great to be with you today. Thanks for listening to the show on the podcast, whatever you listen on. Please uh, continue and share the show and everyone here in Acadiana. Listening on KLFT Radio 90.5. Great to be with you today, Adam. So great. So, so great. great to be with you. Yeah, I saw one time there was the Feast of the Sacred Heart, or there was an event, or like a, uh, maybe like a, some type of event, you know, the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and they, there was a typo, they misspelled it. The Scared Heart of Jesus. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah, the Scared Heart of Jesus. He ain't scared. Well, that's one thing he's not, mm-hmm. I would say, but... Yeah, I got a kick out of that one. That was a good one. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah. 
because you just move the seed to the you know. Yeah, it's easy to do. It's easy to do. We've all been there. I I make many a typo. Yeah. Daily. Mm-hmm. It's okay. I admit it. Yeah. As much as I get upset with like autocorrect, it has saved my life a lot of times. Yeah. You know. For sure. From like typing things. Yeah, and then you now there's these programs as you type. You know, like you know, like my last book I was writing, Holy Grit was different than five years ago when Rethink Happiness came out. So, like, as I'm typing, it's correcting a word, Mm -hmm. you know, that I'm misspelling. Because if you know anything about me, if you want to know anything about me, (laughs) I can't spell. Like, I I cannot spell. Like, I'm, my mind moves faster than I can type, too. So, like, it's just, yeah. Yeah, I'm not great at it either. To have something spell for me at times. Sometimes I spell so bad that it doesn't even recognize the word. <laughs> have you ever done that? Yeah. Like it doesn't even know that it's a word and it doesn't know what word to even like consider that it might be. Yeah. You know, it give you options of what the word might be and it's like I don't have any options. Like you misspelled so bad that there's no options. Yeah, I've been there, man. Um so it's a humbling experience. It is a humbling experience. Um, so speaking of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, you know, it's interesting that the readings today, so this is celebrated on Friday. Actually, today, if you're listening to the show on Friday, the 16th of June, um, is Sacred Heart of Jesus. Um, celebrate the, the readings. I think it kind of sums up what you were talking about, mm-hmm. uh, about the Sacred Heart, you know, in, in a beautiful passage uh, from Matthew chapter 11. Uh, Jesus says, I mean, some of the best words that I think like all of us, when we hear them, just, just, it's like water hitting a sponge. It just soaks in. It's like what our soul really wants and needs. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart, and you will find rest for yourselves, for my yoke is easy and my burden light. Just idea that he just takes us into himself, into his heart, and that's where we find rest, true like peace and comfort, contentment. Yeah, his yoke is easy and his burden is light um, because of the love contained in his heart. The only thing that really lightens a burden is love, and you saw that this week with your daughter. I mean, you did so many things that could be burdensome, whether it was the money you spent or the time or the effort, right? But there was nothing you'd rather do than that because of the love with which you lifted that burden. Right. And in the sacred heart of Jesus, there's the divine love for us, the divine love for us before we were born that's been placed in the heart of Jesus, that has a place prepared for us for all eternity, that great love makes the burden of this life light. And um, there is a burden to this life. There's a cross. There's a valley of tearsness to this life. And the only thing that makes it light is the love of God and Jesus Christ. Not easy, but light. Right. Not easy, but light. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. Like a yoke, like what he was referring to as a yoke is... Like the yoke of an ox, you know, the, the wooden thing that they would put around the ox to, to pull the plow, right? To plow a field. Th- that that yoke is is a heavy wooden thing with, me- you know, metal chains, and it all connects to, like, the, the harness and, and then the, 
you know, steering the ox, right? Mm -hmm. Now, if two ox are carrying the yoke, it's lighter, and then it's easier to pull. And, you know, Jesus is using this analogy because they would understand exactly what he's saying. You know, he's not talking about egg yoke. You know, he's not talking about, you know, he, he's literally using this analogy of this yoke of saying, like, like, let me carry this with you. It's heavy, but when I carry it, it's less heavy. So like you were saying, like, it's it's not easy, but with Jesus, right? Like, it's, it, it becomes doable. So Jesus wants to carry that with us. And when I think a lot about the yoke that Jesus is talking about and this imagery of the oxen, like he's walking life with us. And if we surrender enough to allow him to carry the yoke with us, it is lighter. Mm -hmm. But self-sufficiency, when we want to carry it on our own, becomes heavy and burdensome, we tire out. And I think we can all relate to that. Mm -hmm. Like I'm exhausted, I can't do this anymore, life's hard, life's more difficult than it should be. And Jesus is saying, hey, I'm inviting you to allow me to carry the yoke with you so it's lighter, right? Mm -hmm. And where does this come to light in the actual life of Christ? When Jesus actually carries the cross with Simon of Cyrene. Like the imagery of the yoke of the cross of two men carrying it together, mm -hmm. the yoke actually becomes lighter, you know? And I, I had that image as I was, you know, thinking and reflecting on that scripture this morning, is that the yoke of our cross, we all have a cross to carry. Like life's not perfect and easy, but when we carry it on our own and not with Christ, it becomes undoable, really, because we just wear out and fall down. And all of us do. That's the thing. None of us were created. Our human nature is not sufficient to carry the burden of life alone because we were never created to do that. In fact, there wasn't supposed to be a burden at all in the, in the garden in God's original plan. It was literally paradise with no burden, no work, no toil, right? The only reason that this stuff exists, the difficulty of life, is because of sin, is because we se separate ourselves from God. And then God's solution to that is not necessarily to take the burden of sin away completely. Like, we still die, we still suffer, we still get sick, we still have to work and toil for our food and, and livelihood. But he actually comes down in the sacred heart of Jesus, takes on a human nature to lift the burden with us, like you said. This is God's solution. So that as we carry the burden with Jesus, or with, the, with God through the humanity of Christ through his, the, the person of his son who's present to us, we're with God again, not in the garden. In the garden, we're with God in paradise. We left paradise, and God loved us so much that he went to where we were in the desert of sin to be with us in that desert to bring us back to paradise. And this, this is the love of God in Jesus Christ that beats in the sacred heart of Jesus for yeah. us. Yeah, that's crazy. All right, do you have a... Um a weird Catholic stuff. What? Yep. You're kidding. No, not at all. That's some weird stuff. You're weird. I am. Yeah. Because I'm Catholic. Weird beard. Catholic beard. And I'm a weird Catholic. Weird Catholic stuff. All right. So to continue the Sacred Heart theme, kind of going off of uh, the Eucharistic Miracles we talked about last week. Okay. Because that fired me up. 
But this is a weird Catholic thing. Uh, so as Catholics, we do weird things like when a miracle happens, we we scientifically examine it. Sure. Because it's in a way that makes sense, but in another way it's kind of weird, like to examine weird stuff. But we do it. So well, ex- it makes sense for all of us because, like, there's, you know, skeptics. And right. I, I think faith and reason obviously work together uh, for a purpose. But if we didn't investigate those things, then, like, you know, they could not be actual miracles or people right. could make things up. And so they want to eliminate all the things so that it can only be miraculous. It can only be of God, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for example, Sister Wilhelmina's body, I think we talked about that, but uh, apparently incorrupt. She's been dead for four years, 93 years old when she died. No, she's an American nun. American nun. Um, in, who started uh, a Carmelite? Uh, Benedictine. Benedictine order. Um, beautiful woman. You read about her life, a holy saintly life. A mm-hmm. nun started in a Benedictine order. They buried her, what, in 2016? Or whatever four years ago was. Oh, four years. So 19. 19, 2019. That's what it is. Well, they're examining her and her habit because they haven't decayed at all, which is not usual. Now, they dug her up because, what, were there some reported miracles? No, I think they were just moving her to the church. Like, I don't think there was like a... Really? Yeah, they were just... They have a new church crypt. They're going to put her in there, and uh, they opened the tomb, and their her and her habit was completely intact. Okay, so if you don't know what we're talking about, you just look up Sister Wilhelmina, like Missouri. It'll come up, yep. and you can see pictures of her body still intact. And they didn't embalm her. Everybody should know that. They did not embalm her when she died. No, they just buried her in a box, like you talked about earlier. Yeah. Um, and she's still... They were saying, like, you know, after, like, four or five years, like, you should be fully decayed. Correct. Right, so scientists are actually, and and the habit, but scientists are saying, like, okay, this is odd. That's right, it is odd. And they've examined it and said it was impossible. So, for example, that's what we do. So we take a situation like that, which is weird, and then we examine it under a microscope, and then we find out, yep, this is impossible. So what they'll probably do is put her body, like, in a glass case to to reverence it or something. And And they might, like, you know, I don't know, like some saints who haven't, or incorrupt that they might like put like a lacquer or wax like to preserve their body now or something I don't know but yeah. anyway all that being said who knows like she could decay later but she hasn't decayed yet I don't know are there any miracles in it? she's not a saint no miracles so she's just that I know Sister of. Wilhelmina just Sister Wilhelmina they weren't expecting it but there, there's probably going to be some miracles well now you have thousands of people that are going to uh, visit her uh, throughout the year so. And pray for her intercession, so we'll see stuff happen. Hmm. But that's an example of how we scientifically examine some miracles. So here's one that happened in 2008. Okay. A Eucharistic miracle in Poland. Yeah. In Sokolka, Poland. October 12th, 2008. Uh Uh, During Holy Mass, um, a consecrated host fell from the hands of one of the priests during the distribution of uh, communion right next to the altar. And so the priest did, like a lot of folks do in that situation. They take the host, put it in a uh, glass of water or a jar, an urn of water to disintegrate. So when a, when a host dissolves, it's no longer uh, containing the sacrament. And so once it's dissolved, then you can dispose of it. So they did that. Okay, so like, explain this like in the actual like uh, practical sense. Like if, if you found a host... That was just on the the floor. Yeah. What do you require? Can you can consume it, right? You could. Um, 
or dispose of it properly, which in this case would be since it's an intact host to dissolve it first and then dispose of of it after. So that. is it one of those two things? You either consume it or dissolve it, mm-hmm. right? Because it's sacred, right? I mean, it's the it's the body right. of Jesus. So and like, then once dissolved, you would treat it like a blessed object, like you can burn it, bury it, something like that. Pour it into the ground. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, and yeah. So okay. So well, they went back uh, to look at this dissolved host to dispose of it, and not only was it not gone or dissolved. But it turned into flesh. And um, here's the weird thing related to the Sacred Heart. One of the weird things we do is we'll take a Eucharistic mirror like that, look at it under a microscope, and um, it often happens that it's cardiac muscle mm-hmm. that we find under the microscope. It's like heart muscle. Right. <clears throat> that came from the Eucharist. And this is one of those cases, I've heard of others too, where not only is it heart, heart muscle, but it's heart muscle of a, um, a man in distress, like upon death. Is this recent? Like in cardiac arrest. Well, this miracle is in 2008. Golly, that's crazy. Um, so the scientists do all this, and they find that uh, it's, it's heart tissue, like actual heart tissue. Yeah, of a man in cardiac arrest, hmm. which is what the sacred is heart. true of our Lord. Yeah. yeah. Um, now... I've seen others, uh, there was one out of Argentina, mm-hmm. similar, where the scientist uh, said that the it was living tissue. I don't see it in this article, but in other words, like, the heart's kind of still beating. Like, in the sense of, like, the cells are, like, pulsating. This is not a dead man, <clears throat> but this is living tissue, which is impossible. Um so that's wild. So the Sacred Heart of Jesus is contained in the Blessed Sacrament. In other words, like his actual beating heart. Right. And then this miracle just reveals that to us. <clears throat> so that's kind of weird and awesome. Wow. Hmm. wonder why we don't see this more often. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we do. We just don't recognize it. I don't know. You know, I shared... Um, I shared, for example, the Sister Wilhelmina incorruptible body story with a couple of people who don't necessarily have a lot of faith, and right. uh, they were just not that impressed. I was like, "Well, look at Padre Pio." And I showed him Padre Pio, so I'm like, "Well, eh. because that was 1968, and the dude still looked like he's napping." Padre Pio, they're like, "Yeah," like people just don't even well, care. That's cool. They're like, not even like, yeah, <clears throat> hmm. right? Yeah, I don't get that, but it's like, at what point does like the revelation of God, right? Yeah. And the grace that happens that when God reveals himself in, in whatever way that is to someone, through a miracle, through the word, through the liturgy, through a conversation, through prayer, whatever, just not penetrate someone's heart and soul. Like, can someone yeah. just be blinded so much that they just can't, or never will allow God to enter into their their world, you know? Like, Yeah. Faith is a gift. You know, by, I'll contrast that with, uh, like, my sister when I showed her the picture. Mm-hmm. She was like, wow. And then she started showing other people. Like, I don't... The reaction of um, faith, but faith starts with a gift from God that has nothing to do with the miracle you just saw or whatever else. You know, like, it, it has to live in the heart first before it, these miracles make sense to it. Because, 
I mean, like this one, I mean, it was just in 2008. There's scientific evidence. Look it up. Like, real scientists studied this thing. Right, not fake ones, not even Catholic scientists. Right. You know, just scientists. Like, hey, take this and figure it out, you know? Here's the beautiful thing, if you're listening in all this, is like, when we talk about the sacred heart, like, this is not like, like, if you're any any Christian, it doesn't really matter, or, or even not, but like, we're talking about the heart of God, okay? It's contained in Jesus, the, who is one with the Father and the Spirit. Yes, his physical heart was pierced on the cross, uh, and he died, but his whole existence is his heart, right? And everything was contained in his heart, his soul, right? The mm-hmm. heart of God. So as you think about your own life, you think like everything about you, you're, the good, the bad, the ugly, the sin, the joys, the pains, the sufferings is all contained in the heart of God. He loves it all. Mm-hmm. That's the sacred heart of Jesus, right? That's the heart of God. And because God loves so much, it's sacred. And the heart of Jesus is so sacred because too he he gave his whole heart he 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 surrendered his life to the father and saved us by giving of his life right and so there's great comfort when he says come to me all you who are burdened and your life is heavy i will give you rest rest in my heart rest in me and i got to tell you like of all the times in my life where i feel peace and rest is when i can just surrender to the moment of being with jesus and the times where I don't feel that is like my mind is off racing. I'm anxious and worried about all my to-do lists, my things. I worry about things I shouldn't. And I, in a sense, spiritually leave the embrace of God, and I become self-sufficient in that moment. I am carrying the the yoke on my own, mm-hmm. and it's not good. No. Well, the thing is, God knows every moment we'll ever live in this life and he knows our eternity too and all of that like you said is in his heart so there's no moment that he hasn't prepared for there's no yoke he hasn't fashioned that's exactly right right for for him to help us carry yeah um and so if if we're if we're always living in trust of jesus i mean the divine mercy image the lights come from his heart right the rays of white and red symbolizing the water and blood that uh, flowed from his side at, on the cross. Mm-hmm. Um, they come from his heart. And the message of divine mercy is, Jesus, I trust in you. Like, I will rest in your heart. When Jesus says, you will find rest for yourselves, that's what trust is. Trust is resting in the heart of Jesus. I suck at trust. Yeah. I'm not real good at it. But you I can, try to be. Maybe you're better than you think. You maybe know? I'm worse than I am. Maybe. You Maybe you're know. even worse than you think. <laughs> Maybe I'm even worse than I think. <laughs> Maybe that. How about that? Well, the thing is, the better you get at it, the more God's going to push you to grow in it. That's why it always seems like we suck at trusting, because yeah. as soon as we start to trust a little bit, mm-hmm. God's going to say, I'm going to pull you more into my sacred yeah, heart. that's very true. Because he's not satisfied with us just like hanging out around his heart. He wants, he wants our heart mm-hmm. more than we want his heart. And so he's going to pull us in. And the more we get into that orbit of the sacred heart, the more that gravity pulls us in, the more he's going to push us to trust him more and more and more. Yeah. And so sometimes we feel like we suck at it, but that's because it's 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 real trust. Fake trust isn't hard. Well, I've never heard anybody say they were good at trust. So that, that I guess that that is some type of, you know, consolation. Mm-hmm. 
And the reality with the Sacred Heart of Jesus for all of us is that let's, for us to surrender our heart into his. Yes. And that's where we find peace. Okay, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Paying too much for health care and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of health care. Join the nation's leading health care sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable health care. Call now to see how much you can save at 844-387-8533. That's Solidarity HealthShare, 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George, Deacon Bear in studio. Thanks for listening in on the radio and the podcast. Great day, man. Summer, it's hot, and I love it. Mm-hmm. By August, I'll be complaining. I know that. Mm-hmm. But I love it. You love it because you're yep. trusting. Yep. And I'll be up front with you guys. Um, we apologize for the inconsistency of summer. Next week, you're out of town, right? Yes. You're in San Francisco? Where Pasadena. Are you? Pasadena, California. Yeah, I'll be at uh, the first of three um, Adea Datus conferences. Sounds very nerdy. Yeah, it will be. I mean, um, that's like right up your alley. Just right a, up there. A nerd fest. It will be a nerd fest, uh, but it's it's an amazing thing. Uh, What's it called? Adea Datus, that was the name of Augustine's son, his illegitimate son that he had. Really? Yeah. So they named something after an illegitimate son. It's yes. like Catholics just like think of any name that's connected to something. <laughs> well, the idea of uh, education and, and Augustine's um, desire for his son and his education that they named that. Um, mm. So it's a it's an education conference, correct? And year one, uh, kind of educational leaders, particularly in the classical world, but it's not necessarily just classical education, but educational leaders from around the country are gonna meet up and talk about what are the what are the main questions and issues facing Catholic education today in the 21st century? Well, hey, hey. Then year two, which will be next year, will be um, an examination of uh, what's happening that's going well. Yep. And what's happening that's not going well. And then year three is going to be proposed solutions wow. for those that uh, want to, you know, go in the direction of where the Holy Spirit's leading in the 21st century for classical, uh, Catholic education. And so, uh, anyway, it'll be a fascinating conference. Um and I'm happy to be there, blessed to be there. I'll be in Kansas the following week. Yeah? Doing a leadership conference. So, yeah, we'll miss each other for two weeks. So this is a time to catch up on all the shows on the podcast. You can go back and listen to any of the shows. Right. But we'll catch you up. But, like, like yeah, we apologize. Uh, what what episode are we on? 246. Okay, so shout out to our friend Brandon Gardner, who is on... He just texted during the show. He's on 243 trying to catch up. So look, Catch up? Yeah, wow. Brandon, like you'll have a few weeks to catch up, and then by the time we're back, you would be caught up. Yeah. He's, he's on 243, and we're like on 247. I can't believe someone actually wants to catch up on our show. Yeah. He's a little behind. That's so amazing. On episode 243. But to value it that much. Yeah. To say, I want to like, listen to past episodes. Yeah. it's wow. It's the beard. <laughs> also, shout out to all the dads. We've got Father's Day coming up this Sunday. 
Yes. Happy Father's Day. Take the day off. Rest. You know? Be Mm -hmm. grateful. Whatever you do. I don't know. Father's Day usually isn't as big as Mother's Day. We've talked about that. Good reason. For for no good reason, actually. (laughs) I do think we're equal in our parenting. That is in my opinion. Equal? Okay. All right. I mean, I do think that. Okay. Um, Equally necessary, but... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, women obviously do birth the baby. That's a big thing. I mean, in today's time, anybody apparently can birth <laughs> That's anything. true. Like, we're just very confused out there. But You know, it's another way to say that uh, I'm not very good at trusting. Hmm. I'm not very good at being a son. Because hmm. it's the same thing, right? Being Sonship. a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. And Father's Day, every year, convicts me. I'm like, all right, I'm not great at being a son. Huh. i got to work on this. I don't think I'm great at anything. <laughs> it's just kind of like <laughs> mediocre. <clears throat> Well, it's working for you. I'm on the. Uh, I'm trying though. It, effort is big, mm-hmm. right? Effort's a huge thing. Yeah. So giving up is not. Well, whatever you're doing, keep going. Really? Yeah. No, I don't know what I'm doing. Well, so just I'll keep just doing keep that. doing that. <laughs> so anyway, shout out to all the dads. It's a, it's a heroic vocation. It and is. Keep and doing I think it. you're right. We don't celebrate dads enough. In uh around so let's let's do that Way well not only dads. that but you know even in, i think in the christian world we don't celebrate it enough but we do a little bit but secularly they definitely like it's like the world's against fatherhood and yep. against men it's so so weird and so like it's from all ends and, and then men just like okay let's just forget about father's day yeah secularly there's probably gonna be more advertisements for like what they say dads are like you know two dads of a kid or a, a trans dad dad you know like trying to yeah trying to push that kind of thing instead of like you too can be a dad right but you're not right but i identify as one right, <laughs> right. can't identify and as a dad. the people who are dads don't identify as a dad you know you're just like hey that's right they don't want to be the dad all be authentic fathers and man and you're right if like actual dads acted like dads the world would it would tr- transform the world oh my goodness hands you're down right. yeah for sure maybe that should be your next book how is Holy Grit doing? It might be. Holy Grit is it's doing good, man. People are getting it. They're using it. They're reading it. They're ordering it. They're using it for their men's Bible groups or study groups. Or We're doing that groups. at our parish uh, this coming fall. We're going to do an eight-week. Um, and it's a good, easy mm-hmm. read. And, uh, you know, it highlights the saints and virtues and holiness and God and grit and toughness. Yeah, I mean, it. it you know, it's it's not going to go down. Uh, you know, it, it's not an encyclical. Mm-hmm. It's a book. It's a spiritual <laughs> book to help you grow in your relationship with God and other people and, and things you want to do. Okay, how about we get to a quick six-pack of Father's Day questions? Question. Six-pack of Father's Day questions. All right, question number one. Um, this actually is related to fatherhood, but it was related to the wedding we were talking about, you know, your daughter's wedding. Yeah. You're talking about, um, you know, this idea of getting a son, which you have a son already. Yeah. But then you have four daughters. Whom I like. I like them all. I like all my kids. Totally. Really but now like. you get a new son. Mm-hmm. Um, has that sunk in yet? This idea of yeah, a new son Yeah, he didn't just show life? up yesterday. It's sort of like a baby. They don't just... Right. You knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. So, yeah, you know, we've had some time. And, and it'll be cool, you know? And I think, you know, for my son, Jacob, who's the only guy in the house, only kid guy, you know, mm-hmm. like only son. Yeah. So, anyway... You know, for him to, like, learn how to have another guy and a brother or whatever, I think it's going to be cool. It's going to be a change, but it's it's awesome. You just kind of embrace the new season of life, and that's what we're doing. 
Actually, when I saw Jacob, your son, before the wedding, mm-hmm. um, I think he mentioned how cool it was getting a brother or whatever because he hadn't had one. Yeah. And I made a joke to him, but he didn't think I was joking. It's just a side comment. Do you have a sarcasm that sometimes comes across as very dry? Yeah. Yeah. So he didn't know what I was <laughs> But I said, uh, yeah, man, you know, I... I uh, I hope you never talk to your brother like I never talked to mine or something like that. Right. Like joking about that. And he's like, oh, that sounds sad. <laughs> like, no way. I'm just kidding. Man. That was a that was a joke. <laughs> that's funny. Anyway, so that's awesome. Well, congrats on the new son that you have. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. a boy. Um, all right. Question number two. We talked about uh, these silly coffins. And uh, you asked me what kind of coffin I would want to get. Mm-hmm. But I need to return the favor. What kind of coffin would you want to have so we all know? Well, I mean, you did say like in the old days, they just threw you into the ground, just yeah. like a thump. Yeah. That would be great. Just That's what you want? thump me into the ground. Thump them. Yep. All right. Well, I'll tell Gretchen next time I see her. Listen. I mean, what are you protecting anyway by putting it in a right. box? I mean, like, you're going to decay. Like, is it like better to decay in a box than not? Like, people are being ashed. Yeah. They're being burnt to death. Not They're already dead, but I mean, <laughs> they're being cremated. Right. Yeah. Okay. So just thump you in there. I guess. Thump it. Question number three. Um, we're talking about the sacred heart of Jesus. The scared heart. The scared heart. Um, I want to ask you about uh, how you came to understand God's love for you in the heart of Jesus. Like, I, I know a little bit of your conversion story, but at every at every conversion story, there there has there comes a point where we start to learn about these devotions for the first time. Maybe the mm-hmm. Sacred Heart of Jesus, let's say, yeah. And they have just a profound effect because we're finally open to these devotions. Do you remember learning about this devotion, of the Sacred Heart, or like having these moments of first encounters with this idea of God's love in the Sacred Heart of Jesus for you? What was that like? Yeah, I mean, the whole idea of the Sacred Heart, like putting words to that, I didn't really know much about that till I kind of grew and more theology and saints and Catholic understanding, but it all made sense to me of like surrendering my heart to the heart of God. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, like just surrendering, still working on that. I'm a conversion in process. Good. A CIP, Mm -hmm. a sip (laughs) or a kip. I don't know. It could be a cup or a cup conversion Conversion under under process. process. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's your cup of tea. (laughs) Yeah. Question number four. Uh, so you mentioned this idea of um, my heart and Jesus's heart, and that's uh, a high bar to set because when we stare into the heart of Jesus, he he's so vulnerable, he's mm-hmm. so present, he's so giving of himself to us. It sets such a high bar for us to return that love, like Saint John of the Cross said, "Love can only be repaid by love." Mm-hmm. Right? Um, what have you learned? You know, this uh, desire to give our heart more to Jesus. Uh, let's say maybe in prayer. Like, what are some ways we can learn to deepen that self-gift of a heart-to-heart with Jesus in prayer? Hmm. Well, so good. Um, I think going on a retreat really helps. Giving yourself time to breathe and let your heart break open. Spend Mm. some time really reflecting. I think diving into the scriptures, really meditating on the presence of the Lord, um, sitting in a in a quiet church or chapel with you know a tabernacle, and just imagining like your heart beating with his, or just surrendering your heart. Uh, I have found like, you know, the more and more that we can become content contemplative, you know, meaning just quiet and reflective, 
in our conversation with the Lord, the, the more that we will be um, able to surrender and, and, you know, deal with the anxiety and stress of life, right? Mm-hmm. I think, all, I mean, we could probably speak of all the, all the saints. They were all contemplative. You know, mm-hmm. contemplatives in action, a lot of most of them, like they lived as missionaries in the world, but they had a contemplative life where they heard and sp- God and spent time with God constantly surrendering their life to Jesus. Wow. All right, question number five. I want to ask you about a broken heart. So sometimes it's good to break a heart. Like the heart of Jesus was broken for us, for our salvation, and so it's pierced, you know, the, the symbol of... Um, the bleeding heart of Jesus that being pierced in the side, that's part of the sacred heart symbolism. And a lot of times our hearts need to be broken so that they can be freed from sin, freed from hurt, freed from whatever. Like there's a certain goodness to a broken heart that can be offered to God. Um, What can you tell me about that as far as like part of our spiritual journey, this need for our heart to break, to be able to be given to Jesus? Some things need to be broken down. I mean, we all have places in our heart that are broken or wounded. Um, I think a good prayer, like I, you know, I was saying that I prayed just for real vulnerability, real presence to fill the moments for my heart to be exposed. That's vulnerability. And, and in a sense, the places of my heart that aren't, you know, you know, in the hands of God, to, for God to break and rebuild and remake, you know, it's okay to, to know that. Like, and, and, where I think we, we talked about like we're, we're not receptive to God, where people see or, or it's obvious that God's there and and they just can't even see it. Mm. I think they're you know Jesus is the hearts of stone in Scripture, right? Like we can become so callous that our hearts become stone. So a broken heart is a heart that God can enter into. That's the beauty of a broken heart. Mm. All right, question number six. So. Our Lord made uh, several promises to St. Margaret Mary Alacoque for devotion to his Sacred Heart, but one of them is amazing. To priests, he promised that when priests are devoted to his Sacred Heart, uh, there's no sinner who will remain unrepentant at the moment of death. Like when they are devoted to his Sacred Heart, the priest, when they go to someone's bedside, God will be there, that heart will be there to break the, the hardness of their heart, and they can repent. And... Um, I remember one priest telling me some dramatic stories about this, like he's devoted to Sacred Heart, and he would show up at people's bedsides, and they would just, you know, after years of hardened heart, like they were repentant, and then they had a great confession and went into eternal rest. Um, Hmm. So anyway, I guess my question for you, question six, is um, what are some ways we can stay devoted to the Sacred Heart of Jesus over time? Like what, what, what do Catholics do? to stay devoted to Jesus so that these promises that our Lord promises uh, can be part of our life as well? Like, what do we do? Well, I think there's no greater way to stay connected to the Sacred Heart of Jesus than at Mass, you -hmm. know, because his heart's broken at every Mass, you know, Mm -hmm. and then given to us. You know, like he the the full sacrifice of his life, the the passion, the death, and the resurrection happens at every Mass, right? We, We enter into that. So we see the the broken heart and the and the resurrected heart all in one, mm-hmm. and so like for us, you know, I think more and more priests I've been hearing just speak about offering our hearts 
on the altar at Mass, bringing up the gift of our life, you know, as we bring up the gifts or they offer the gifts of the, the bread and the wine. Like, our lives are too broken with Jesus on that altar. And, and you know, we're one with Christ at the Mass. And that's the beauty of it. So to really experience the Sacred Heart of Jesus, it, it's hard to do that outside of the sacraments, mm-hmm. right? Like, so I think it's within the, the beautifulness of the life of the liturgy that we really enter into the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Awesome. Well, there you go. Yeah, great show, man. Um, look, we're gonna we're gonna keep doing this this summer. We'll have some some weeks, you know, on and off with summer schedules and and travel and and Adam's nerd fest. <laughs> <clears throat> and uh, but great to be with you today. Thanks for listening in, being a part of the show. Feel free to share it on the podcast. And thanks everyone, KLFT Radio here in Acadiana, for being a part of the show. And we will be back. God bless. <laughs>